Hello, everyone, and welcome to OT Ladies. This is Sarah. Hi, everyone. This is Dana again. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing fabulous. <laughs> um, I'm excited about our topics for tonight. We're talking about Let Me Sleep. <laughs> so the importance of sleep and restoration and how that factors into being an occupational therapist. So according to the OTPF, the Occupational Therapy Practice Framework, the third edition, so one of the occupations that we addressed as OTs is rest and sleep. So this includes rest, sleep preparation, and sleep participation. So all the aspects of sleep and regulating that process and improving it. So according to the American Occupational Therapy Association 2004 statement, and here's a quote here, restful and adequate sleep provides the foundation for optimal occupational performance, participation, and engagement in daily life, a concept that is historically consistent with the development of occupational therapy. The impact of sleep on function and participation is incorporated into the repertoire of occupational therapy practitioners and addressed across the lifespan, which I think sums it up very well. Mm, very nice, yes. And according to CDC in 2015, sleep disruption is actually a public health problem, which can cause different issues like accidents, increased healthcare um, utilization, like more admissions to the hospitals, decreased productivity during work. And also sleep disruption increases chances of different diseases like diabetes, mood disorders like depression and anxiety, cancer, hypertension, um, and also reduced quality of life. So yeah, so Sarah, tell us what, how occupational therapists can address sleeps in different settings. Or areas. So I think to start us off, you know, talking about my personal experience and kind of some research about that in the hospital setting, sleep is just disrupted completely. Routines, patterns, you know, wakefulness, all messed up. The day-night cycles, you know, is trying to regulate that, make sure the lights are on during the day, you know, people have earplugs and eye masks at night to improve sleep, to reduce even delirium, to try to foster that uh, with nursing and, and provide education to our staff mm -hmm. members and the importance of sleep for our patients. You know, when you're looking at a different population as well, like if you're working with children with autism, for those of you that work in that setting, big part of regulating, improving participation in sleep and then patterns of uh, productivity and, and mood and uh, sensory throughout the day you know, is, is incorporating bedtime routines, you know, improving the sleep component of one's life. So habits, routines, patterns for this population in general are important. And then when you're looking at sleep, just very important uh, because sleep hygiene and, and that whole process and getting ready for bed and winding down is really important. And for that, you know, using a family client-centered approach and oftentimes even the parents are disrupted in terms of their sleep patterns. And then even mm -hmm. a different population, like older adults, you know, if you're at a long-term care, like a SNF, a, a skilled nursing facility, or you're looking at community-based, uh, working with uh, dementia patients, 
similar mm-hmm. to kind of the hospital setting where you're trying to foster the sleep routines, you're trying to have the lights on, windows open during the day, uh, you want to have, you know, peaceful music, you know, that kind of relaxation, mm-hmm. give them things to do during the day, you know, where it's activity bins and social interaction, but then foster, okay, this is nighttime, we brush our teeth, we get dressed, we get ready to go to sleep. And a big thing with this population too is kind of the, the toileting aspect, you know, some patients as they get older they start having some issues you know whether they have other disorders that increase that and one Dana will talk about that more later uh, that's definitely a big component too and you know clothing preferences bedding management so we're starting to get into some of the components of sleep and we'll go over that later as well but there's definitely some other examples Donna yeah yeah and then also in the community-based or the skilled nursing facilities um, they did different activities there with with the older population mm. they actually engage yeah that was a research that they done in uh, I guess early 2000s I forgot to actually mention it earlier with you but they engage um, um, older adults with different activities like yoga, mm. stretches, resistive training, or just uh, simple like ball, like toss and catch or kind of activities. And they saw that improvement with the sleep patterns with the with the elderly population. Um, however, that, that it was an interesting research, but it says that still they need to do further research to see if an adult and uh, elderly um, person do an occupation-based activity if they do something that they really love and enjoy mm. to do to see if the, the, their sleep pattern change better or not. So they haven't done a, an occupation-based activity with them, but maybe that was an early 20s. Maybe they did like some some more research lately, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Okay, so even with different cities like outpatient and home health, occupational therapists can um, recommend um, suggestions about the sleep, like for different adults with difficulties like hip fractures or hip surgeries, stroke, lower back injuries, shoulder surgeries, or even Parkinson's disease, what OTs do, we make recommendations or suggestions about the sleep positions. So in other words, how the person can sleep by just putting pillows under Mm -hmm. the head or the shoulder or the hip in order Mm -hmm. to get comfy and then can sleep better um, and have a better quality of sleep. Mm -hmm. So in home health, we make those suggestions to our patients. In outpatient, if we have um, a patient that is asking us, hey, I just want to work on the quality of the sleep, we also can make those suggestions to our patients. So according to a research that was done uh, in 2010, about uh, 60 and 90 um, patients that have the Parkinson's disease, um, they realized that as the, as the, the Parkinson's disease progress, the quality of sleep definitely changes. So the more later stages of the Parkinson's disease, of course, the sleep hygiene will be changed. And something very interesting, the sleep hygiene is not only about like sleeping eight hours or seven hours, but also includes addressing different issues before the sleep time like the toilet hygiene um, like modifications about the environment like the patient ability of the patient using bedside commode versus wearing or donning diapers or pull-ups 
or even um, using any adaptive tools like um, anything that can help the patient to use uh, or go to the bathroom or toilet easier. So, and this research addressed everything about the sleep hygiene with the Parkinson's disease, which I, I think it was a very interesting research, Sarah. Yeah. Thanks for yeah, mentioning it. And then you work with this population a lot. I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of like incontinence, you know, bowel, urine, possible and consonants with this population yes. with progression okay that's probably yes. why some of those things were listed as being part mm-hmm. of you know the sleep routine because if you're getting up 10 times in the middle of the night you're not going to have great sleep exactly with any neurological issues like even a stroke parkinson's ms mm-hmm. um any sort of neurological issues can definitely change that sleep hygiene due mm-hmm. to either it's a weakness of um, the core muscles or there is muscle spasms in the hip area that that um, definitely can um, change the sleep. So Sarah, tell, tell us how can we improve the sleep? So we gave you some ideas already, listeners, about some treatments and, and some ways that OTs can address sleep, but let's dive into a little bit about what specifically has been shown to improve sleep. So as we were beginning to touch on routines, patterns, optimal environment, you know, those are big things that facilitate improved sleep patterns. Occupational therapists can definitely work on that area. Also things like biofeedback and deep breathing, you know, mindfulness, getting yourself in the right mindset for sleep, slowing your breathing, slowing your heart rate, turning your mind off. Because I think at least for me, I'm thinking of a million things at night, I need to, okay, this is time to go to sleep. Um, (laughs) At least that's what works for me. And I have very specific routines, I brush my teeth, I get ready to go to bed, like I'm good about sleep hygiene. I think that's why I enjoy sleep. And I'm able to just fall asleep pretty easily. I'm lucky in that way. Uh, But also regular exercise during the day throughout the week, you know, daily if possible, also greatly improves sleep. And I also swear by that, that exercise helps me personally. So I think that all these things that studies have found to be true, I agree with and help me improve my sleep. What about you, Donna? Yeah, so um, I guess you really mentioned a good point here, regular exercises during the day. Mm-hmm. I tried on myself to do exercises like 10 minutes or 15 minutes, like hour or two hours before bedtime. Mm-hmm. And, and I see adverse results. Mm-hmm. Um, since I did more exercises for a week before bedtime, I felt like my brain, um, I was more alert mm-hmm. and I was, um, I had lots of energy and I had a hard time to fall asleep. So definitely mm-hmm. regular exercises throughout the day, it's a better idea than just before um, doing it before bedtime. However, that depends on people's schedule or so many other factors. Mm-hmm. And then for me, um, I'm I'm also good. I don't have, I, I can sleep pretty much good during the night. Um, I'm not a nap type of a person. Um, I, I don't like to sleep during the day unless I'm really, really exhausted. <laughs> but um, since I remember, even as a child, one of the big issues for me was like um, taking naps during the day at school. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't like it. I didn't like going to school because they made us to take naps during the day. <laughs> and I pretty much dislike that very much. 
very much. That's to really this funny. Date, <laughs> to this date, if I fall asleep during the day, like during the week, during the day, I feel like I'm going to just fall behind on everything in life. That's but this is just who I am. No, that's really interesting <laughs> you bring up. You know, my, I feel like I never got to take naps. I was like that generation here in this, in the United States and California that we didn't take naps after preschool. So uh-huh. I would have loved to take a nap. And the truth is like, I can't take naps daily because I work, you know, eight hours. And then my two days off, like I'm all wound up. But like when I used to be in summer school, like, you know, the break in between, or if I wind up vacationing, I do take a short 30 minute nap and I love it. So I think my body does like that, but about midday and not too long. You know, if it's if it's an hour, you're going to mess up your, your nighttime routine. But I did find that personally, I think if I had a different lifestyle, we were in a different world that wasn't so fast paced, mm-hmm. I would definitely be taking naps. And it's interesting because like my, uh, my, my great grandmother who lived on a farm, and swore by naps like that was like naps and a (laughs) glass of wine before bed lived to 103 so 102 actually but I don't know I I think everyone has their own routine like some people can go to work out at seven o'clock and go to bed but me Mm -hmm. I work out in the morning just like you Jenna because that's what helps energize me that gets me up where I start to need to wind down at the end of the day with different things and some people need naps some people don't I think part of sleep hygiene is finding the right balance for each person exactly no, I, I'm a more, I enjoy doing more exercises in the morning. However, also I, I realized if I do more than a 10 minutes, 15 minutes of an um, vigorous physical activity like running to the point that I make myself tired and I don't have any problem with the sleep. But if I do like a 10, 15 minutes of a yoga relaxation, I guess I'm gaining more energy. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Okay, so what really makes the sleep get worse? Um, There are internal and external factors that can really have a bad effect on our sleep. Internal factors can be hormonal changes or any imbalance in um, chemistry in our body, Um, different diseases like any autoimmune disorders, heart problems, COPD, all those can kind of are internal factors. And external factors are um, a bad or poor diet, like um, taking um, uh, excessive caffeine um, during the day or even before bedtime. Um, using tobacco or smoking, bad or poor diet, which is highly um, in, in kind of like high sugar and high calories food before bedtime. Um, also, environmental changes are kind of external factors like noises, temperature, like kind of a hot temperature or cold um, changes, seasonal changes. People have difficult to kind of sleep even with the changes uh, to the season and traveling people who travel a lot Mm -hmm. being in airplane constantly changes in someone's habits and norms um that can also worsen the sleep like divorce um is kind of um or losing a loved one Mm -hmm. kind of can be a factor pregnancy is another external factor that or maybe could be internal factor but um Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, also the diseases that we talk, you know, changes with the stress, like a stress level, depression, anxiety. Um, those are also the mood changes that can uh, definitely um, have a bad impact uh, on our sleep. So, Sarah, how can we really work on it? So, what are your interventions on sleep? So, 
As you mentioned earlier, Donna, you talked about different positioning, and I think that's really important in a lot of different settings for occupational therapists in terms of how this person can mm-hmm. sleep based on their conditions, their comfort, and their precautions. You know, if they had a hip fracture mm-hmm. and they have these, you know, posterior hip precautions, or they have, you know, just had a heart surgery and they have sternal precautions, or they're just in pain in certain places and have have back issues that's kind of Mm -hmm. an important opportunity for us to talk about positioning in in bed and to help the person be comfortable and then you know environmental Mm -hmm. modification so we kind of started to touch on these things in a couple other areas but light you know some people have those curtains that reduce any light the black the blackout curtains those you know just literally cover all aspects of light so nothing can peek through because some people start to wake up at five in the morning when light comes in Mm -hmm. just even a little bit Uh, reducing noise you know a lot of people and we'll talk about this later with some uh, uh, autoimmune disorders that can possibly have more sleep issues if you're in a certain level of sleep and you you get wake up more easily because of noise you know we need to reduce that noise Also, to -hmm. reduce the bad noise, you can add good things like white noise or other kind of calming sounds that your body wouldn't wake up from or find alarming. Uh, Limiting a white light, especially like technology, you know, putting the phone, the tablets away, the computer away, turning to Mm -hmm. the the screen type or yellowed um, uh, flux, I believe it's called, uh, so that you don't have that bright mm-hmm. light keeping you up and as Donna mentioned temperature you know nothing that's too hot too cold you know if you need weighted blankets or more comforters to feel more comfortable or you need a certain level of coolness in the room and no comfort or no comforter and sheets to help with that temperature or pressure those are all things that can can help mm-hmm. what are some others Donna yeah yeah you you mentioned very good points also if hey if someone's smoking and using excessive um, excessively alcohols and okay so stop smoking maybe encouraging health management behaviors such as the smoking cessation or reduced amount of um, caffeine intake um, kind of like having a good diet and um, making sure doing exercises throughout the day not exactly before bedtime um, also just um, just just knowing your sleeping habits like doing your oral hygiene get, just getting ready for bed and get ready for bed for different people have different meanings mm-hmm. um if you if you're the, that kind of a person that you have to watch a movie or listening to something before bedtime yeah that's that's your sleeping habits however they say that even before bedtime try not to use phones mm-hmm. so that means basically don't use your phone in a bed do not listen to news or don't watch even tv like no tvs even before bedtime so they say when you go to bed, just know that bed is for either sleep or intercourse. That's it. So mm-hmm. no sleeping, no studying in the bed, no reading in the bed, no eating. So so they say those are all bad habits that can kind of impact the sleep routine. So again, different people have different habits. So maybe just doing um, get ready for bed is for someone, maybe just doing the deep breathing exercises or I don't know, different things. Maybe just making sure that your sleep routine is decreasing amount of drinking water or even tea mm-hmm. before bedtime. That's mm-hmm. kind of important. I mean, there are some bedtime tea that usually 
usually inc people, including me, I drink sometimes bedtime tea. However, even drinking tea, bedtime tea, or even water can impact the sleep. Um, so it kind of like wakes you up throughout the night frequently due to you drink lots of water, right? <laughs> so, yes. And also, if um, your sleep routine is kind of like doing some mindfulness or even doing a few gentle yoga stretches make sure you include that in your sleep that definitely can help and yeah so i guess those are some good interventions that i can think of yeah yeah so great what do you think? yeah i think that those are all some definitely interventions that you could use and i'm sure there's others out there our listeners might be thinking of uh, so denna what do you remember about the basic sleep cycles did you kind of cover that in school or did they skim over that? Um, I we didn't really uh, went through the sleep patterns or the the um, no, we didn't. I don't remember much if we did. Mm -hmm. What about you? We did. We actually had a whole chapter in our Pedretti book, uh, 2013, that was mm -hmm. written by Jean Kaketsu. In that chapter, there was five stages of sleep, and, and other sources look at five stages of sleep being uh, there's a REM, there's a non-REM, and a couple other ones. So overall, there's five stages, even if it's not one, two, three, four, five. So the first mm -hmm. one being uh, N-REM sleep. So typically this sleep is about one to seven minutes and it's when your body is just starting to fall asleep. Your temperature mm -hmm. drops, your muscles relax, and you can be easily woken up in this period. So this is just that light sleep that is the beginning, you know, of you falling into the deeper sleeps. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, a lot of disorders, including chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia, as studied in Togo et al. 2019, uh, demonstrate that conditions like these actually have an increased amount of non-REM sleep. And mm -hmm. that can contribute to this feeling of not being rested, being fatigued. Even if you're sleeping nine, 10 hours, maybe you're only getting six hours of quality sleep. So that this cycle is kind of important when you're looking at studies of certain disorders and, and realizing why certain people and groups, populations might not feel as rested. Whereas stage mm -hmm. two is a little bit longer typical for an average person is about 10 to 25 minutes. And to also mention that we go through these cycles of sleep throughout the night. So it's not just like one one, two, three, four, five, and then you wake up. It's it's a combination of all these cycles rotating. So stage mm -hmm. two is about anywhere from 10 minutes to almost a half hour. There's no mm -hmm. eye movement. Your heart rate, your breathing, it slows down. And you're a little bit difficult to wake up in this stage. While you get mm -hmm. to stage three, it's actually only a couple minutes. Some some research and uh, articles you'll look at don't even really cover stage three. Uh, but it the, the blood pressure, the heart rate, it falls to 25 to 30% of normal rate. So this is when your body is slowing down, you're, you're mm -hmm. breathing, everything's kind of uh, decreasing. And then stage four is the ultimate, you know, the breathe slow and regular 20 to 40 minutes in the first cycle. This can change after a couple cycles of sleep throughout the night. But mm -hmm. uh, this is the person that if you see them in the hospital, you're just during sternal rubs and they might not be waking up. So much more stimulus is needed to wake this person up. This is, you know, when you get woken up from this stage and your alarm goes off, you're like, oh, you just feel groggy and not, and not rested and just exhausted. Whereas REM sleep is the last of the, f the fifth 
cycle officially and it's only one mm -hmm. to five minutes of her cycle but it can increase up to about 30 minutes and this is when the blood pressure the heart rate and the respiratory rates as well as body temperature all increase and are mm -hmm. oftentimes honestly pretty irregular so it's not consistent in terms of what cycle we're seeing in terms of rate but mm -hmm. uh, at this cycle, it is significant to mention that motor neurons are inhibited, which mm. means major muscle groups, with the, with, with the exception of the diaphragm and the ocular muscles of the eye, are paralyzed. So that's when the person is just like, mm. you feel that you can't <laughs> move even though you're sleeping kind of sensation. So you cycle through these yeah. throughout the night. But... Uh, Definitely people that have dysfunction in any of these areas, it does correlate to different disorders, can contribute to their sleep problems. So coming up with all of the strategies we mentioned before, even if someone has a disorder where their non-REM sleep is way too long, maybe there's mm -hmm. things we could do in terms of uh, treatment environment, biofeedback that can still give them more restfulness and improve sleep. So what about average sleep? Mm -hmm. You know, how, how much long are we supposed to sleep, Dana? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good question. I guess for me, um, during the day, I guess it's zero napping. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm joking. If I'm, I'm really, if I'm really, really exhausted after doing a hike or mm -hmm. um, exercise, definitely I need like maybe a short nap. But mm -hmm. during the night, however, during the night, I definitely need to have eight to nine hours sleep as I'm, mm -hmm. you know, that's my, that's my norm. Me but too, actually. Yeah, I'm on the upper too. end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a happier person when I get more towards the night. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm a more morning person. Mm -hmm. So my my brain shut down like um, definitely after like 930, 10 after 1030. It's just like definitely I'm not very in a good mood. I'm tired. <laughs> but in the morning, I'm I'm good in the morning. My mood is good. I feel like I feel happier and all that. Mm -hmm. So according to um, Pedretti's in 2013, the average sleep for newborns is 10 to 8. 18 hours for infants between 3 to 11 months the average sleep is between 9 to 12 plus some nap right mm -hmm. for toddlers 12 to 14 hours and average sleep for teens are 8 25 between eight and a half to nine nine and a quarter like a nine and a half almost mm -hmm. or less than that and also adults they say average sleep is between um something between seven and nine mm -hmm. so yeah so sarah um what are some good book or some good information that our listeners can read about sleep so what do you recommend so I really like if you're an occupational therapist as our listener an occupational therapist guide to sleep and sleep problems by Andrew Green and Carrie Brown I I like this one I heard about it in school and I actually got it even though it wasn't part of my curriculum and just because I was interested in sleep and I think it's such an important area not just for our clients and patients but also ourselves so I found that book to be really good and it gave a lot of good information a lot of uh, good research and uh, further explored the occupation of sleep mm -hmm. so That's what are great. what about some apps or other techniques uh, that people can access Donna yeah so the techniques definitely doing yoga or mindfulness or Pilates mm -hmm. as we had an episode of just talking about Pilates and mindfulness mm -hmm. 
So that's a great technique um, or just light exercises before bedtime or even taking a warm, nice shower before bedtime for some people. Mm -hmm. And um, also apps, I can recommend um, Headspace mm -hmm. is um, an app that you can use. Also, um, I do have this app called White Noise App or it's mm -hmm. called White Nose. Have you heard of it, Sarah? I've heard of not this specific one, but like, for example, Headspace does have white noise in it. And then there is some like free white noise apps out there. So maybe I've tried the same one as you, but it's, it's not too hard to find, you know, white noise, whether it's YouTube or apps. There's a lot of really great stuff out there that's very helpful. Yeah, so the white noise app that I have, it has different noises like, um, uh, ocean mm -hmm. or listening to the raindrop or mm -hmm. listening to storm mm -hmm. different or just even listening to birds and mm -hmm. you know it's it's a kind of interesting if you want to try it it's nice so um before we actually end Sarah do you know what is the major complaint of people who really are hospitalized after they come home I mean they have definitely different complaints but <laughs> Um, honestly, and we have actually done surveys about this and like unofficial ones and kind of official ones of, you know, what is something we can improve in the hospital? For example, our yeah. cardiac population. And a big one is let me sleep at night <laughs> definitely <Yeah>. comes up <laughs> because I think that, you know, we want to improve night day cycles and I think there's really some great nurses out there that are very mindful of the fact that our patients need to sleep at night and they're like little ninjas they take they take pride in oh I didn't wake anybody up at night uh, on my shift but then there's some people that come in they take out the trash at two in the morning and it's like <laughs> do you really need to empty the trash at two in the morning exactly or even with those monitors that are attached to patients like the heart monitor the breathing exactly um, all those like the heart everything and then even people coming and going and taking blood and drawing blood and doctors coming nurses coming so oh my goodness so yeah, yeah that's that definitely was great. a complaint you got it <laughs> <laughs> so we have a great quote, short and sweet, from Dalai Lama. Sleep is the best meditation. And I think that's that's true. You know, it's the ultimate biofeedback restorative activity that we can do. And it's so important. And, and so much research isn't even quite sure why we need it. You know, that's another topic in itself that's really not occupational therapy based, more of a, a medical based. But you know, we need sleep and we don't necessarily know why, but it is critical to our function. And occupational therapy, we really actually have a great field to address that in so many different Mm -hmm. areas as we mentioned absolutely and that's pretty much some of our topic for tonight let me sleep <laughs> and thank you sarah thank you Dana. this was a great topic enjoyed talking to you today and thank you for our listeners joining us uh, leave a comment yeah. or email us yes leave a comment email us um and hope you enjoyed tonight's topic thank you thank Have you a great night. you too bye everyone bye Dana. bye everyone bye sarah